This is Tim Doyle, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Welcome to our weekly podcast featuring content from our worship celebrations at Second and Francis in beautiful, historic downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. We exist to love, lead, and launch people in their destiny in God. For notes about today's message or for more information online about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Here's today's message. And today I want you to uh, open your Bible because that's where the blessing comes from. (laughs) And I'm not going to say where to turn. You might want to start in Exodus, and then we're just going to go from there. Um, It's always good to be, when someone says open your Bible, it's always good to do that. You know, we'll we'll help you. We'll come on up. We'll help you. um, If you don't have one, we'll help you with the screen, right? You can read the scriptures, but it's, I always want you to be in the practice of going to the word and being able to glean for yourself from the word of God. Today, we're, we're continuing our awakening series. And uh, by the way, tonight at 630, we'll be doing our furnace session again here during these 50 days of awakening. Last Sunday night was so, so very good. And we literally built an altar <laughs> right here. And people were uh, able to come up and to put things on pieces of paper that they don't want to carry forward in this next season. Wrote it down, and we got rid of it. We burned it so that we can say, you know what? That doesn't belong where I'm going. And it was just powerful how the Lord met us there. And so I don't know what will happen tonight, but I want to let you know that today we're focusing on the glory. The glory. Say the glory. I knew this week what I was to teach on Sometimes, you know, it's like the Lord is, is sometimes a little easier to hear than others. This was an easy hear week, okay? So I asked Will to come back up and help me uh, on the keys because I just want to recreate where we just were, that atmosphere of worship. Because I, I, I want to start by just reading some scriptures over you this morning. Glory is one of those words. It's like it's this big, chunky, religious, dog-eared, just... What does it mean, you know? We talk about it, we sing about it, but what does it mean? What is the glory? What's that about? So I think the best way to define is that the word define itself. So I just wanna wanna minister this over you this morning as we start, as we begin to unpack, what does that mean? Awakened to glory. Let me just start reading. And we'll begin with, of course, Moses was one who, we see an example of really experienced a lot of this uh, face-to-face time with the Lord and literally saw the glory of God. So let's just read some of these verses. Exodus 24 is where I'm beginning. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. I lived in Israel for a while. I saw this mount just to picture that, what that would have been like, to see the glory of the Lord resting on that mountaintop. Exodus 33, and he said, please show me your glory. And he, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Exodus 40. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting 
because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Numbers 14, 21. But truly as I live, all the earth, listen, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Don't you long for that? All the earth. Deuteronomy 5. And you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. That's why we're in the furnace for these next few weeks. 1 Kings chapter 8. It came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. In the Psalm, Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Psalm 57, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Psalm 62, verse 2, 63, verse 2. So I have looked for you in a sanctuary. See, I, I see this being sort of an active thing that we get to participate in. I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Psalm 102, the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. Psalm 138, yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Psalm 145, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. His glory is to be coming out of your mouth. It's what you speak about. Isaiah chapter 4. Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion. Love that. And above her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all, the glory there will be a covering. The Lord's glory is our covering. Every assembly. Isaiah 42 verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. God is jealous for his glory. Isaiah 59, 19, so appropriate for us at this season. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Listen, when the enemy comes in, comma. See, some translations don't do that right. They just run it on. When the enemy comes in like a flood, people read that. No, 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 no. When the enemy comes in, Selah, <laughs> pause. Like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Listen, we have seen the flood this week, haven't we? And I just want you to know that the enemy is not the one who has the ultimate power. It is the Lord who comes in like a flood with his power to overcome, to overwhelm. <laughs> to bring his goodness and his glory. Love that. And lastly, Isaiah 60, 
to you. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Say, the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. It's the truth. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen over you. I just want to pray. Let these scriptures soak into us today. Father, I thank you so much today for this opportunity to be together, both here in the house and those watching online. I just say, God, let your glory now be released. It's obvious from what we've read. You desire to interact with your people in a way that allows your glory to be seen. It's not something we have to guess at, not something we have to gimmick, not something that we have to produce or manifest on our own power. But you say your glory will rise upon us. You want to be seen. You want to be found. We say for the sake of your great name, let your glory now rise upon us. Let it be seen among us. And Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. Give us understanding of what that means. So that we don't just say a word, but we, we know that there's something tangible, something very real. Something that the people in this hour of darkness need to know is true. That there is a God in heaven who rules over the affairs of men. He is seated on his throne. His glory is real. May it be tangible among us in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, in our cities. Teach us what that means, Lord, and help us lean in and cooperate with your glory. If you agree, say amen. Let's thank heaven this morning for his glory. Thank you, Will, for your help. Just wanted to set that atmosphere so you can appreciate kind of the weight, the importance of what I feel on this word. You know, I'm sure I've heard teachings about glory all my life, you know, all my Christian life. And you hear it and it just kind of rolls, you know. I want to know more about it. I want to understand his glory. How about you? So in, in my sleep this week, it's interesting, you know, um, doesn't happen all the time, but once in a while the Lord will speak to me in my dreams. I always pray going to bed, Holy Spirit, speak to me in my sleep. You know, my spirit doesn't sleep, so Holy Spirit can be communicating <laughs> even while we're resting. And sure enough, man, this, this week the Lord dropped a phrase in my heart and I knew it as soon as I woke up. And I wrote it down and I'm like, you know, I'm a writer by profession, you know, in broadcasting, that's what I did. I could probably come up with better words than this if you want me to. You know, these words. <laughs> Decided I better just leave it alone. Just kind of give it to you the way I got it, all right? Here's what I heard. You are either a receptacle or a repellent of the glory of God. Okay. You're either a receptacle or a repellent. I don't like that word repellent. So we use to get, keep mosquitoes away, right? <laughs> but think about that. We can be repellent to the glory of God. We can actually put God's glory off. Or the better part of that is we can be a 
receiver. We can be a receptacle. We can be a container. We can be a carrier. And sure enough, man, this week, things I've been reading, glory carriers. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. We want to be receptacles. Amen? We want to be receptacles of this glory. Because we read God desires for his glory to rest upon us, to be seen over us, over our households, over our assemblies. I want to see the glory of God over every house in this city, over every church in this city. I want this city to be known as a place of his glory, where his glory dwells, where his glory rests. It doesn't just come and lift and go. It stays. Not just a visitation, a habitation. Come on. Not a momentary flash in the pan, not a, a day or two of revival, and then we go back to our same old ways. No, listen, <laughs> when you're a receptacle, when you're a carrier, a container of the glory, it's going to affect you. And I know in your heart you don't want to be a repellent of his glory. So let's talk real quickly, practically, what attracts God's glory. If we're going to be receptacles, what attracts God's glory? Four things I want to highlight real quickly. The first thing that just is obvious is, Unity. Unity attracts the glory of God. We saw it in the book of Acts. They were all together in one accord, not the Honda, you know, of heart. They were together. The unity drew Holy Spirit like a magnet, like a, like a vacuum. He couldn't help himself. He filled that house. And the glory was seen, wasn't it? It wasn't just heard. It was physically seen, the glory of God resting upon those people in that place. So unity is something God highly values. Holy Spirit is drawn to it. That's how we can host the glory of God is through unity in our midst. The second thing I wrote was humility. Humility is another glory attractor. You know, been in the church a while, been a part of small groups and Large churches, spoken before thousands of people in arenas. And the thing that to me kills the glory almost the quickest is a lack of humility. When we begin to think it's us, right? That we're the reason, that we're hot stuff, that we got it all. And if you really were spiritual, you'd be like us. I mean, have you not seen some of that, right? So we want to walk in humility. So no matter what the Lord does among us, no matter how awesome this worship team, you know, does their job, the glory all goes here. Because guess what? It's not just about good music. It's about glory to God. So humility is key. None of us can ever get to a point where we take credit for anything God does. <laughs> it's all about him. The third thing that attracts God's glory, I believe, is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord. Fear See, that's, that's not real popular to talk about. The truth is, he's in charge and I'm not. And in the fear of the Lord, I just, you know, transparently tell you that, man, in my life, the fear of the Lord has saved my bacon more than once. I remember a pastor telling me a story years ago who had fallen into adultery. He was a pastor who was well-respected. And he was talking to a group of pastors, and they were like, how did that happen to you? It's like, you know, he wasn't like, you know, Tom Selleck quality or anything like that, right? So it's like, he had an affair with his secretary, and it's like, okay. And he had a wonderful wife and a good marriage and solid family. He'd been in ministry probably 30, 40 years by this time. 
I would suspect probably in his late 50s. And we were just curious as younger pastors, what happened? And he said, you know, for me, the fear of the Lord was something that did not immune me from the thrill of being wanted by someone. I just want you to hear that really, really well. It's not the fear of the Lord and something else, but I'm telling you, you can say the fear of the Lord, but there are plenty of people who would say that they walked in the fear of the Lord who've made mistakes. So this isn't like a silver bullet, but I'm telling you, the fear of the Lord is an important thing to keep in your arsenal. That even when you want to respond in a certain way, even when you are tempted to be drawn to something that is awfully attractive, let the fear of the Lord protect you. The scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. It's the starting place. That's what this pastor was saying. He said, I had a measure of the fear of the Lord, but the, the allure of someone wanting me caused me to walk into a situation I never intended to go. He lost his family, he lost his church. It's not worth it. So if we're going to be carriers and attractors of the glory, the fear of the Lord will really be a banner that we wear, not, again, not pridefully, but willingly. So I will walk in the fear of the Lord. It'll guard and protect me, and it's where wisdom comes from. The fourth thing that I want to mention this morning that attracts God's glory. Again, not a very sexy word, but it's the word purity. Purity. Purity attracts the glory of God. And we live in a society that that's probably the hardest thing to maintain. When we teach the rite of passage, when I was traveling and doing that for full time, we would, we would do things with the youth, right? And we'd have them come up. We'd talk about purity sexual purity in particular. And, you know, our youth today have lost purity in so many ways. Through things that they see, things that they hear. I mean, my gosh, you guys, you're three clicks away from hardcore pornography, any place on the internet you want to go. So it's so easy for purity to be lost. And we, we would facetiously talk to the kids about, so it's like, we bake a big old platter of brownies and sometimes we'd have ladies actually do that bring some brownies for snacks right and then we would pass them out and we'd tell the kids later oh by the way we forgot to mention that in the batter we put just a little dog poop just a little just a little not enough to hurt you just a little dog poop we good and they're all retching, you know, right on the front. Now, we didn't really do that, but the point was this. Purity is something that we can't mess with. We can't flirt with. We can't toy with it. You know, it sounds old-fashioned and old-timey. I'm just telling you, purity matters. And it's not just sexual purity. Purity in word, purity in deed, heart, attitude, Purity, my goodness. It was so interesting yesterday. I was 
just observing, you know, these leaders. There were about four leaders from Sonoma County up here. Bless their hearts, man. Like Jada, they've been working 24-7, you know, keeping their, their citizens safe. And wow, there was one person that wasn't happy with them last night. And she was quite vocal about that. And it was, it was just kind of like, you could just feel it. It just kind of tainted the atmosphere. And she started being critical. And I felt bad for these guys because they were working so hard to do their best to protect people. And, you know, Jada knows, I know, you're never going to make everybody happy. But it's interesting how that one little <laughs> drop of dog poop <laughs> just kind of ruined the brownies. You know what I mean? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's brownies in the other room after service, and there is no dog poop in them at all. So I want you to know that. Purity is so important, though. My gosh, Jesus, help us. No wonder the enemy has gone after purity so hard in this generation. Because it is a strength. It is supposed to be something that, that guards and protects. And it's so easy to be not just lost, but sometimes taken from us. And I'll, I'll just, I feel like I should say this right here, that, that, you know, if you've had your purity stolen from you, either it was taken by someone or you volunteered it, God could restore purity. I said, God can restore purity. He can do that. I mean, some of you have testimonies that blow mine away when it comes to things like walking through adultery in marriage that I've never personally experienced, but I can imagine how difficult that would be. And it breaks my heart. But I also have seen a wonderful, miracle-working God restore purity in relationships. So I'm going to flip this now, because if these are the four things that God desires and attracts his glory, unity, humility, the fear of the Lord, and purity, then what repels? Because that's what he said. You're either a receptacle or you're a repellent. So what repels God's glory? Well, to me, the flip of unity is discord. And can I just say, having been in full-time ministry now for about 36 years, been a part of a lot of great churches. And, and I've seen some really heartbreaking examples of how the enemy uses discord to come in and blow things up. Things that had as much potential and as much vision and as much opportunity as restoration has. And we're talking about close friends. We're talking about when Chris and I got married our home church started going through something and half of our friends wouldn't come to our wedding because our pastor was marrying us. They just wouldn't come. They loved us, but discord got in there. So I just want you to know this is a very real thing. And I see the enemy using that today. Church, listen to me well. We live in an hour when discord is promoted by Facebook. Well, you can get on there and say whatever the heck you want to say, whatever comes out of your mouth. And I just want to tell you, I don't need your dog poop, okay? Keep it to yourself. I mean, the fear of the Lord, come on. Being critical of this leader and that leader and cutting people off at the legs, and it's like, do you not have any fear of the Lord? Thumper theology, baby. If you can't say something nice, what? Don't say nothing at all. Come on. 
Walt Disney was a wise man. You are not the gatekeeper of all that is sacred and holy. How about you just shut your trap and pray? How about that? If you're not a part of the solution, someone said, then you're a part of the problem. If you've got nothing to do with the solution, then zip it. (laughs) Talking strong today. Because I hate discord, and I will not allow it. If you come talking discord to me about somebody else, I will not listen to it. That's one of the things I get as a pastor. People love to tell me about other pastors, and I am so grateful that for... 16 years now, I've been building a relationship with pastors in this city. And I can say, you know, that guy's my friend. I'll be sure and tell him what you said. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Come on. I'm just talking truth today. I'm not saying everything everybody does or says is right. I'm just saying, you know what? That isn't helping you. How about you just move on? How about you say, Jesus, you know, we're supposed to bless our enemies, aren't we? That's Bible. So you bless and you move on. Trust me, this lady and I get to practice that every five minutes. (laughs) That's just with each other, right? (laughs) No, you hear a lot, right? It's like you become the radar and it's like, okay, you can get full of that stuff or you can say that is not Holy Spirit helpful. (laughs) So we're just going to let that go. We're going to move on. Come on, church. Can you say move on? Look at your neighbor and say move on. Time to move on. Discord repels God's glory. Number two, pride. Obviously, the opposite of humility is pride. Thinking that it's all about us. Thinking that we're something. We're bad. You know. um, Gosh, there's so much I could say right here. I'm not even going to go there. I'm, I'm very thankful for what Holy Spirit is doing here at Restoration. I can't tell you how godly proud I was of this place and this team, when we were able to host people who had no idea there was a church in this old warehouse the last couple of days. One lady literally walked in, she goes, I'm looking for the church. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> here it is. And I wasn't the only one. Kay and several others got to, a chance to really hear some of the comments from people. And Jada sent me a, a nice message saying, you know, people were pleasantly surprised at the way they were treated, the way they were hosted, and just the atmosphere here. Can I tell you this? It's the glory of God that's the attraction. That's what it is. But if we get prideful about that, and we start comparing ourselves with other people, how much better our worship is than theirs, or you know, how much more handsome my pastor is than yours, or you know, then we're in trouble. Holy Spirit goes out of the house because he won't be a part of that. Now, we're not going to be the pride police and go around and whack each other either, but you know what I'm talking about. We're going to be folks who understand that the real attraction here is the glory. It's not us. I'm grateful for what God is doing. I won't have any problem bragging on God at the miracle of Second in Francis. But I also know that we're part of a bigger story, and we're one part. And we need all the parts healthy and well so that everybody gets touched. Amen? So the opposite then of unity, discord, humility, pride, the fear of the Lord would be rebellion. Again, we live in an hour when rebellion is cool, where the authority of Scripture is challenged. 
Can I just say, Satan is such an idiot. <laughs> he has no new plays in his playbook. What did he tell Adam and Eve in the garden when they said, but we're not supposed to eat from that tree? What did he say? Did God really say that? Really? Did he really say that? It starts to get you to question if God's word is really true. Well, if you ever want to know if we believe if God's word is true, we do. And that's our authority. And that's our standard. And we're going to stick to it and we're not going to apologize. We're not going to use it as a weapon either, right? To beat people up with. But we're going to stand on the truth unapologetically. Now we're all on a journey, none of us are perfect, but we've got to have a standard, don't we? You don't want me being your standard. <laughs> you want the word of God to be your standard. But anything that resists that, can we just say it's rebellion? And rebellion is sin. So there comes a time when you just got to call it like it is. Rebellion is something that, <laughs> again, we live in a culture that that's not cool to say there's a standard, but there is. And when there's rebellion, the scripture says rebellion is as, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft is a manipulation. It's trying to control things in a way to make other people do what you want them to do. It's wicked, it's evil. And folks, we've just got to be aware and be on guard. Again, we're not the police with our stick and our magnifying glass. See, where the witches are, we're not looking for that. Right? What we're saying is we will walk in submission to the word and we will resist the spirit that tempts us to rebel because we know that God's ways are best, even if we don't understand them sometimes. And that's how we'll pastor and shepherd people. Discord, pride, rebellion. The last thing pretty much goes along with it. It's the opposite of purity, which is the anything goes attitude. Again, not real popular. You know, it, it, it's really, to me, the issue of the hour for the church to figure out how to handle people who don't accept the Scripture as the Word of God. I think for generations, we've tried to counter that with religion. And I just want to say religion doesn't work. The scripture says the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Anything goes is sin and death. That's where that path goes. Are you hearing me? Anything goes leads you to sin and death. Life leads you to fullness, to all that God has for you. That's the path I want to see you on. And even as I point myself and you that direction, I realize we're never going to get it perfect. But that's our goal, right? We're going that direction. So those are, are four things I just want to lay on you as my ideas of how we can either be a receptacle or repellent of the glory of God on the practical side. I want to get to some evidences of God's glory among us. So now we know how to and how not to do it. What happens when we get it right? What's the evidence because I want God's glory to be seen among us. I want God's glory to be seen on you. So that when people see you, see your life, see your family, see how God's moving in your life, they say, I don't know what you call that, but I think I want some of that. 
How'd you get there? You said, come with me. Let's walk together. <laughs> right? Evidence of the glory of God on your life. Number one, unapologetically, miracles. Say miracles. I believe he is a God of miracles. I believe he's the same God yesterday, today, tomorrow. I believe the same Jesus who walked the earth and performed miracles is the same Jesus who's walking the earth today in you and still performing miracles. Do I want to see more? Oh, yeah. Does it always work out the way I hoped? No, but that doesn't stop me from believing because I'm going to keep walking and keep learning. John 2, 11, the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his what? Glory. And his disciples believed in him. Miracles are one way God manifests his glory and people see and say, there's something going on there. That's not explainable. You and I need things that are not explainable in the natural to be happening in our lives and through us. In an atmosphere of glory, you have the opportunity for miracles. The disciples were attracted and believed when they saw the glory of God manifest in Jesus' life through the miracles that he performed. It's not a magic show. It's that he is bigger than any obstacle that comes his way. And, you know, I love what Pastor Bill Johnson says. He said, when your theology doesn't match up with your experience, don't change your, your, your theology to reduce it to what you know. Make what you know match what the Word of God says. That says, I will believe even when I don't see. We're still learning. We're still getting it right. But I'm still going to believe and pray and ask God for things that no one can explain but him. How many of you can say you have seen a miracle in your life? I just want you to look around. Keep your hands up. Look, miracles are happening among us. I had one sitting on the keyboard there a minute ago. And that man shouldn't be here. God spared his life. It's a story I can't tell today. But I'm just telling you, we've seen it. And I want to see more. How about you? Doubt and unbelief does not attract the glory. Faith attracts the glory. Miracles, number one. Number two, provision. Another thing I will not back off from is he is a miracle-working provider. Jehovah Jireh, one of his names, my provider. Exodus 16, another picture from the children of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. Don't you love it that he even hears our complaints? But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening. And in the morning, bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. To recognize and understand that he is your provider, I am not. Listen, <laughs> I love it how someone said, well, I just don't, I left that church because I just wasn't being fed. Like, well, really, how old are you anyway? Because babies have to be fed. How about you grow up and you learn to find your provision in him? Whether it's a spiritual provision, whether it's 
financial provision. Listen, I will never apologize for saying God wants you to prosper and to have your needs met. What is wrong with people who are against people prospering? Is it better to be poor? Is it better to, to be walking in the gutter and say, well, yeah, but God's good. Well, you know, why don't you show me a little bit here of how you say he provides for you? If I'm an unbeliever, I'm not going to probably believe that. I'm going to say, I'm also saying that we boast in, in our wealth or our riches. I'm just saying God has promised to provide for you. He said, I will never leave or forsake you. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed, his children, begging for bread. He said, well, I've got some needs. Well, guess what? You can take that need to the provider and see the same provision that we see modeled here in the scriptures. I mean, these, these people were out in the middle of nowhere, and God provided food, morning and evening food for their need. I love the story of the loaves and fishes. All you have to do is give him what you got. It might seem like a little, but guess what? In the hands of a miracle worker, look out. Watch what he can do. That's why I'll never apologize for encouraging you to be faithful givers. Whether it's your church, whether it's other people in need. We, again, culture says it's all about taking it in from me. That's the opposite. We know that as an ag-based culture here in the Midwest, that you... It's the seed that you sow that produces a crop, right? Not going to produce a crop if it sits in your barn. God will provide seed for the sower, and you'll see his provision as you trust him. In the middle of their complaining, God says, in the morning, you will see my glory. God's glory provides for your needs. Number three, strength. Evidence of the glory of God is strength. Romans 15, now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Typically, we get in trouble. We make bad choices in our moments of weakness. God's desire is that you be strong so that as you walk day by day, going through the stuff that you experience, your strength, your hope is built up because you're focused on him. You're focused on his Glory, it happens on a daily basis as you spend time with him, as you pray, as you study, as you come to church, as you're around other believers who sharpen you. That's why we took the kids to Kansas City, not just to have fun, but put them around 10,000 other kids and say, listen, God's on the move today. There's something more appealing happening in the kingdom than there is any place else you can look. Let's go show what that looks like. And guess what? Other students are going to say, that sounds like fun. The strength that they demonstrate is going to display God's glory in their generation. That's what we're after. You're not going to get strong alone by being separated. I said this morning on my, on my Facebook Live post, I said, you can worship God or spend time with him anywhere you want to. It's not about a building. But there's something about the corporate body of Christ coming together. We encourage one another. We build each other up. And God meets with us in a corporate way that's just not possible on your own. That's why you need each other. I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with Livestream because I don't want that to be an excuse for people to not come to church. Are you hearing me? It's like, you know, I love technology. I'm determined that it won't be a deterrent in building the church because that's the institution that Jesus said, I'll build that the gates of hell won't be able to stop. That's his plan. 
When you seek his glory, he strengthens you by the power of his spirit. Number four, instruction. When the glory rested on Mount Sinai, Exodus 24, the cloud covered it six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. The glory was seen, and in that glory, instruction came forth. When you purposefully spend time meditating, investing in the glory of God in your life, you will receive instruction for your day. The giving of the Torah was on Mount Sinai. The giving of the Holy Spirit was at Pentecost. Both of those situations involved resting, waiting in the glory, and instruction came. Teaching came. Wisdom came. They saw the glory cloud. They saw the manifestations of God's awesomeness with fire. It's out of that glory that divine instruction comes. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for it. I need divine instruction every day. I just don't always acknowledge it, but I need it whether I acknowledge it or not. Did you know the glory of the Lord can guide you, instruct you in your everyday decisions? Things that might seem small, but if you listen, if you spend time, instruction will come to you. Man, when I pray for our city council, when I pray for people in authority, I say, God, give them wisdom beyond their natural abilities. Because I know that's what I need as a pastor. If I only judge by what my eye sees or what I think, I'm in a heap of trouble. I want divine instruction. I want to be strengthened in the glory to know what to do. Number five, glory manifests as a teacher for you. Not just instruction, letter of the law, but active, here's how you apply it, teaching. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. All things can be taught in the glory. It's in the glory that the Holy Spirit will bring past words to remembrance. It's funny to me how that'll happen. I'll think, oh yeah, I remember years ago, the Lord showed me a picture, and that makes sense now. It's like that's the teacher saying, remember that lesson? Remember that experience you had? Remember that relationship that you messed up? <laughs> How about we do it different this time? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's a teacher? He's the best teacher ever. He has it all. He has all wisdom, and he knows you better than you know you. And you can lean into him. And when you say, God, by your glory, teach me in ways I don't understand. I think even, even when we make poor choices, Holy Spirit can use even that, the apostle says, for our good as a faithful teacher. He gives you peace to know the direction you're to take when you abide in his glory. Number six isn't so popular. It's correction. In the glory, correction will also come. How many of you know as good parents, you better be having a little skill in this area too. God's a good father. And when he corrects, he does so not out of vengeance or out of desire to inflict pain, but out of love, out of mercy. There's an example of this in the book of Numbers. 
Chapter 16, Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. Here we see God's glory manifesting because there was something going on. There was that discord thing happening. And the glory brought correction. God says, I'm going to give you instruction on how you can prosper with me as your God. Instead, they build a golden idol and they begin worshiping that and correction was the result. We need correction. Say, I need correction. See, that's, that's wisdom to say that, to acknowledge it. Um, you know, in my premarital counseling sessions, which I'm looking around and I see several of you that have sat with me through those things. It's like, I try to gently say, listen, there are some things you're bringing into this relationship that aren't going to stand the fire. And you better be ready not to figure out how to change them, but to allow yourself to be changed in those ways that need to be tweaked, corrected. The glory will do that. If you're open to it, are you open to correction? Man, I say that to people all the time. Yeah. And that's the response I get. Usually a real quick yes. I'm like, you know, when you find out is when you're being corrected, (laughs) right? It's easier to say yeah when there's no correction coming. I've had to bring correction to people. I've had people say, and those of you who know me know that I don't have a, I don't think I really have a mean bone in my body. I don't think so. Somewhere under all this maybe, I don't know. But I've had people tell me after I brought correction, not in my presence, but to other people, (laughs) Pastor Tim went postal on me. The only postman I know is Joel, right back there, okay? I could never be like Joel. He's the best postman ever. I'm just saying, see how the enemy twists that? When someone's trying to love you and say, here's something in your life as your pastor, if indeed you want that relationship from me, I promise you, I'll deal with it gently. But if you don't want it, it's going to feel like cactus sitting on, right? It's like we get to decide, do we want the glory to be our correction or not? God's glory will not be played with or manipulated. We don't treat this like witchcraft where we use our poor behavior to try to control other people. Oh my gosh, Lord, am I supposed to go here? Because I'm really tired. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. I'm really tired of a phrase, well, that's just the way they are. Krista said this last week, and I'm, and I'm right on the same page. She said, I'm really tired of just tolerating people's bad behavior. That wears a leader out. It just does. And we're pretty loving people, I think. But if the church of Jesus Christ is going to grow and mature and we're going to experience the glory, correction is required. When there's a course correction that needs to be made, is it more loving to say, whoa, don't go there. No, it's, it's called maturity. To be able to say, can we have a talk? <laughs> can we just sit down and have a talk about this? I don't have all the answers. But if you want this relationship, if you call me a pastor in your life, I would just say, let the glory lead. 
Don't resist what God wants to do because his purpose is to make you a bigger receptacle for more glory. You're just limiting the amount of glory that you can contain by refusing correction. Getting awfully quiet in here today. <laughs> this is the biblical year 5779. Add up all those numbers and all that stuff. What that means is it's a year of judgment. It's a year of justice. Right. Rabbi says judgment is the friend of those who love right standing with God. Judgment doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be a good thing. Judgment can be a good thing. But if you don't want it, <laughs> it's not a good thing at all. Oh my goodness, just look at the world of politics, right? It's like there's all kinds of things that people are fussing about now. It's like, you get to choose. You going to submit to the correction or not? I'm in deep weeds now. Correction is a friend to all those who don't process correction as rejection. Did you hear me? See, I grew up where correction meant punishment like pain, like severe. So I, my woundedness caused me to see correction as rejection. Are you hearing me today? So you either rebel against it, say, well, you're not going to tell me what to do, or he's so mean, he went postal on me. It's like, no. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Say kindness. Correction is kindness. Discipline, the root word of discipline is what? Do you want to be a disciple? Then you're going to receive discipline. But it's not going to be measured in a hateful or manipulative or controlling way. All right, got to move on. Number seven, protection. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law that you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked. Aren't you glad for the pit? Come on, bring pits for the wicked. But for me, I need to receive the instruction so that I can be protected by the glory. The Lord dealt with those sons of Korah, and he will deal with anyone who tries to hinder your walk with Jesus. Trust me, he is your defender. He will deal with your adversaries. You don't have to do it. In fact, it's better for you to just submit your ways to the Lord and let him deal with the stuff. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It means you are trusting God who's bigger. See, what happens when you decide to deal with it and you just get bitter instead of trusting the God who is bigger. He has your best interest at heart. I can't even tell you stories just so, so crazy how the Lord works. Some of the people that I met this week in our flood information meetings were some of the people that I grew up with. Just saying, it was amazing to me to see how the Lord turned things around so that I could be a blessing. Are you hearing me? So that I could be a blessing. That's all I can say. <laughs> Others will come against you. But the more you ignore that, quit talking about them, submit your life to the one who judges justly, the sooner your ditch will get built <laughs> for your adversary. And you won't have to do a thing. 
you just stand back and watch him at work and you're not going to gloat. You're just going to say, listen, there but for the grace of God. I'm just grateful for the grace on my life. Aren't you grateful for the grace on your life? So we quit looking at other people and we say, Lord, just deal with me right here. The one who looks to and depends on the Lord's instruction will be blessed with his protection in the glory. Number eight, direction. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We've talked about this last fall when we did our fire by night, right, project. We've got a cloud by day project coming, by the way, in a couple of months. Just hang on. Love how the Lord used that cloud by day, fire by night illustration to show how he provides direction. It's one of the most powerful things about the glory. When you dwell in the glory, you'll receive direction. You'll know the way that you're supposed to go. I love that. We need that. There are decisions. Can I say this? The business wisdom is not my strong suit, okay? I have other people around me that that's what they do, and I'm so grateful. But we will never make all our decisions based on human wisdom. We must make decisions based on the direction of the Holy Spirit, which will not make sense sometimes in the natural. Not an excuse to do stupid things. Are you hearing me? We're going to use wisdom. However, don't fuss at me when a decision doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm sorry. Put a church in a 150-year-old broken-down warehouse in the middle of downtown St. Joe where nobody's going. Didn't make a lot of sense in the natural, did it? Aren't you glad we listened to the direction of the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad to be here. I love this. I love what God is doing. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Get excited about it. Tell people about it. There's something happening here. I'm more convinced now of what God wants to do than ever before. I see things coming that I'm just like, whoa. You hang on. You better have your seatbelt tight over the next few weeks because there's some things that are coming that are like, okay. And we had news media in the house from Kansas City here Thursday. It's just like, the Lord is just sticking it out there. It's like, here you are, now's your time. I'm going to talk about some of that tonight in our furnace session. Just prophetically what we see happening. You know, today, this week, the whole decision about the Golan Heights in Israel, I used to live there. I know exactly what that means prophetically. Folks, we are living in the most amazing, exciting days the church has ever known. Do you realize that? There are more people coming to Christ in China and India today than any time in history. Tens of thousands of people coming to Jesus every day. Don't let anyone tell you that the church is on its way down. No, this is our finest hour. We have got to rise up. We've got to have direction from the Holy Spirit. We've got to say, yes, I need the glory. Tonight, all we're going to do is come together and say, Lord, Show us your glory. Let your glory be seen on us. Let your glory be seen in me because I need direction on how to move, how to think, how to act, how to lead in this hour. I'm desperate for it. The beauty of that Old Testament model was when the cloud moved, people moved with it. Isn't that awesome? God made it real obvious when the cloud moved. That's what we do. We keep moving. You know what? That's what we're going to keep doing is we're going to follow the glory. Wherever the glory goes. In fact, the glory took us into that north storage room there for Maker Fair, and now it's like, what are you going to do with that? Kip, you want to talk about that for a second? Grab a mic real quick. 
This is one of my, my heroes right here, a man who makes it happen, Mr. Kip Traster. Just touch the button. I mean, not real technological. But uh, yeah, speaking of, yeah, where the clouds move, man. Um, I've just been feeling a real pressure, a real uh, calling just to, just to share a little bit about, you know, all that God's doing. It's obvious what God's doing here, but, you know, less than a year ago, we weren't in this room, and some of, most right. of you know that, some of you don't. We were in that little room over there, all tucked in, nice and cozy, feeling comfortable, and God <laughs> said, move, break through. We did it, you know? I mean, it's not over. We're, we're here, we're comfortable, we're cozy, thanks to the fire by night, you know, the furnace, mm -hmm. and everything that's been going on. And just a couple of months ago, that room next door was completely full of... Uh, Stuff, stuff. Dare I say stuff? stuff. Yeah, yeah, stuff. just stuff, okay? <laughs> so, some keep might it, call it, it other. <laughs> keep it G, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, now with that space being cleared out and just walking through there, if you haven't been in there, I invite you. Just the doors are open now. Just walk up in there. Just pray a little bit, dream a little bit. Just cast some vision. The possibilities are just so endless with all this space that God's given us to work with. I mean, we've got space below. Three stories of space over there. Across the alley, a whole nother building with two stories of space. I mean, God is moving through us, with us, doing things in this community. And I mean, of course, obviously, the responsibilities are tremendous. The things that need to be done, the list is long, obviously. So, But God just continues to provide. And I mean, He yeah. does that through all of us, volunteering our time, volunteering our finances. I mean, it, it's a sacrifice yep. for some of us, but it's obedience. And, you know, we've learned that God honors obedience. God, there's no reward without sacrifice, without obedience. Yep. So this is the reward. We're living in it. We're yep. great. We're, so but good. we're also feeling it too when we see the rain come and the, the roofs are leaking and when, you know, things like that are happening around us. And, you know, I've been, the, the weather's getting better and I've been calling on a few gentlemen and and some ladies and just anybody available and has some skills and time to volunteer. It's just so great to, you know, just to come around as family mm -hmm. and do those kind of things. So, so good. we'll get we'll get into more of that in a little while. But, you know, just reach out to me or find somebody that you know is a leader in the house that you've got time and some talents that you want to offer. I've got many projects that need to be done. And like I say, the, I'm, I'm just already pushing. We're not done here, obviously, but I'm already pushing. I know big thing. God has things, plans for right. building that space. So do soak it with prayer and just yeah. bask into it because things are going to happen, and I believe sooner than later. So I do too. I'm just real excited about it. So, so good. I'm glad. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Take some time. Go check it out after we're done here. I mean, we've got the stairway open and just walk around and see the potential that's there. Um, you know, and... and we don't want to move again foolishly, but I believe the hour is now. I believe we're going to see more and more things happen. I think this summer, it's going to be a real transformation summer for us. Um, and then there's also times when you have the wisdom to know when to wait, right? When the cloud isn't moving, you don't move. That's called wisdom too, right? Sometimes faith, the ultimate act of faith, ultimate um, expression of praise is waiting on the Lord. And those who wait upon the Lord will what? Gain new strength. Come on. That's what he promises. All right, real quickly, finish up. Number nine, in the glory you'll find warnings tied to correction, right? Acts 16, when they had gone through 
Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden, say forbidden, by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. What? Hadn't Jesus said, go preach the word? Yes, he had. Which is why you've got to hear the current now word of the Lord say, now, there, is this the time? Is this the way? They had to listen and hear. If they hadn't, they'd have been in a world of hurt. The more time you spend in the glory, the more time you'll have instruction, correction, warnings, witty inventions, words of knowledge, visions, dreams, and everything that God wants to reveal to you in the glory. That's how I want to walk. I want to walk wisely. I receive the correction. I receive the warnings when the Lord says, it's time. Quick story. When I was living in the Middle East, working in Lebanon, working in a war zone in a radio station that I had to receive military permission every day to go into because it was a war, active war area where a bulletproof fest to work every day. And something happened. And I knew that my time was over. And the Lord said, if you go back in there, you're on your own. I'd made a two-year commitment to, to stay there. My two years wasn't up, but I knew. The Holy Spirit said, this isn't your time. Quick story, my friend and his wife were in a car wreck. She was killed. I knew my assignment was to be with him. My boss wasn't real happy with my new assignment. But I heard the Lord say, if you go back into Lebanon, you're on your own. And I knew then, I've got to obey the Lord rather than the fear of man. And about six months later, those stations were blown up by suicide bombers and all the staff were killed. It's important to listen to the warning of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's a fear of the Lord issue. And the last thing I'll mention this morning is to send. Acts 13, two, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Part of the glory, folks, listen, this isn't to be some glory bubble here that we build at Second and Francis. This is to be a sending machine that the glory is exported from here. Come on, St. Joseph's history is as an exporter, not a black hole. We are a sending city. Seven trails had their origin right here, a block from us, where people went literally across the country, expanding territory, things produced in this city, going global. It's in our DNA, folks. What happens here is supposed to bless the world. That's what I'm trying to say. The glory will be multiplied. See, as Paul and Barnabas were separated and sent out, the glory was multiplied. It didn't diminish the local church. It expanded it. It increased the influence. What's happening here is to be outside of these walls in unique and creative ways as you can come up with, as ways that you're called to carry the glory because you're a receptacle, not a repellent. Amen? And you're going to take the glory with you wherever you go. Now is the time to be sent in the power of the glory. I say that prophetically to you this morning. Now is the time to be sent in the power of the glory. Whether it's to your neighborhood, maybe it's to this neighborhood. As Kip said, we got a lot more to do. We're just getting started. But I want you to know that it's not just about this little patch of earth that we stand on. God has already allowed us to extend the glory here. Uh, Matt's going to be leading a team to the DR this summer. 
Um, you know that Chris and I have had opportunities to build glory bridges, you know, to, uh, to Togo, um, to the First Nations. I'm so excited, guys, about what the potential is. But we've got to be mobilized and ready. And we must be carriers of the glory. If we're going to make an eternal impact, we must be carriers of the glory. People are longing to see what glory looks like, and they need to see it on you and in you and in your households and in your families and on this church. Can I tell you real quickly, 10 years ago now, I don't even know how long ago it was, when I dreamed of this place, and then one of those dream things, right? Doesn't happen to me a lot, but when it does, I know it. I dreamed of this place, and I won't share all the details because it's, it's too involved. But I saw this place. Didn't know it at the time. Didn't even know it when we moved in here, it was this place. Later, it was like, oh, it's this place. And in my dream, I saw the glory of the Lord over this house. Makes me cry talking about it because it was that real to me. And I can see it now with my eyes closed. I saw it. I physically saw the glory of God. And it was just as real as anything else you could ever see. And from that glory, from that cloud, the Lord spoke. Those of you who've been walking with me for a while know what he said. He said, I will call this place sanctuary. For here, my people will find what? Rest. Can I tell you that I saw people coming in here Thursday and Friday night, finding rest. In fear of losing their home, they didn't know if the ladies were going to hold. Maybe all they had was going to be washed away like 1993, right? You know what's ironic is in 1993, I was able to host a flood relief concert at Krug Park that drew about 6,000 people and raised $14,000. And now, what is that? 25 years later, however long my math is horrible. <laughs> Here we are again, being able to be a blessing to people in a time of crisis. I'm just telling you that for such a time as this, God has raised up this house to be a container and a carrier of his glory. Are you ready to go? Will you be a receptacle and not a repellent? <laughs> If you want to be a receptacle, you need to stand to your feet right now so we can prepare ourselves. <laughs> Remember, if you're uh, among us today and you're displaced and could you head back, we'd love to serve you. Ladies, if you'd like to help serve, I'm sure our ladies could help uh, use you. And any food that's left over, I think I can smell the beef burgers right now. In fact, it's not pretty good. It's I'm going to get you out here before you cannibalize each other. <laughs> Be sure and check out the North Building. Check out the boat. we got a boat now in case the water does rise again. We're good to go. <laughs> that boat was built by Greg Hatton, the man who will be speaking at our men's breakfast on April the 6th. Guys, you need to be here. It's going to be a fun, fun morning. But as I let you go today, I just have, I knew that today was about God encouraging us, but preparing us to be carriers of his glory. It's like, you know, what do you call those things? Colanders that you drain things through. We don't want to be holy, like, we want to be H-O-L-Y. We don't want to be H-O-L-E-Y, right? Am I right, English teachers? We don't want to have holes in our receptacle. 
We need those, those things patched up. Some of those holes are the things we talked about. The discord, the rebellion, the impurity. God could deal with that. I want to be a better container. How about you? I want to be a receptacle. I certainly don't want to repel what God wants to do. So why don't you just hold your hands in front of you? And Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you would show us holes in our wholeness so that we can be good stewards of your glory. And Lord, in humility and with gratitude, thank you that you long to use us, even us who are imperfect. No accident you put, this, put us in this imperfect building with all her stuff to show us, yeah, that's us, we're in process. But because of your goodness, you said, I want my glory to be seen on you. And in fact, my strength will be made perfect and will be on display even in greater ways because of your weakness. So Holy Spirit, we surrender our weaknesses to you now. We say patch up the holes. Help us be good carriers, containers of your glory. I ask God that your glory would be seen on this house. Be evident that, Holy Spirit, you're doing a work in us, among us, and through us for the sake of your great name, that your kingdom be advanced among us so that Jesus be lifted up. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to have you visit us in person at Second and Francis at our 10 a.m. Sunday morning celebration. To support this online ministry or to get more information about Restoration Church, visit RestorationSTJ.com. Thanks again for listening.